Maybe it saw the weasel or whatever it is you think was outside your house last night. Don't say it like it's not true. It's a real weasel and I'll show you the fucking dead body, okay? Because it's an actual weasel. I want to see the photos. I want I want close-ups. I want you to I, ain't I want you to get close. gloves it's out. Not... I want to see the head. I want to see the feet. <laughs> Because you said it was a ferret, and I did some research into ferrets. I'm like, these are endangered creatures in the wild. They they don't exist here. Yes, but I admitted that I misspoke well, about that. I'm just saying that it, you could very easily also be misspeaking about whether it's a weasel or not. At any given moment in your day, if you just got transported into a game show that that was called, is it a ferret or a weasel? Like, how well do you, would you fare in that? I don't see those animals ever. I would fare quite well. I know exactly what a ferret looks well, like. You should become single again, because if you put that on your Tinder profile, you'd clean up. All right, let's just get into this right away here, folks. It is Tuesday. It is August 18th. Here's some facts. Fact number one, this is the podcast Underdogs. Fact number two, I am David Patrick Fleming. Fact number three, I am with Jacob Eamon. Jacob, what up? These are the facts, man. Don't. <laughs> we, o- this is a- we only do facts here on Underdogs. No speculation. Cold, hard facts. Got it. I'm 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 feeling pretty good. I'm feeling a little bit different. In the last couple of days, I'm waking up a little bit more exhausted. I don't know what's going on. I feel like I'm pressing snooze a lot on my phone. Usually, the past couple of months, I've been waking up at seven, like wired, ready to go. I'm a bit groggy all the time. Yeah, I now. feel the same way. I've been waking up and looking in the mirror, and I'm like, oh, I feel like I've aged two years mm-hmm. in the last month. Like sacks under my eyes. It might be to the fact that. I started doing this fasting and I'm not really eating and then I eat once a day, but I'll eat like one piece of chicken and then drink a bunch and go to bed. So I think my body's probably struggling. I think it's holding on to the edge of a cliff to survive. So you listen to one Joe Rogan podcast. Like how many things do you try in your life that Joe Rogan or his guests recommend? I don't. I don't. I don't ever do that. I, I know enough about like eating and I've I've done the fasting thing before. And then I just heard that and I was like, fasting, one meal a day, what a perfect way to get lean and also save money. That's disgusting. You're really eating one meal a day? Yeah, like one meal a day. You know, if I'm at the restaurant or something like that, I might pick at some fried calamari. I might have a piece of focaccia or two, but I'm working, right? I'm burning calories. I'm dying for sure. So I got home last night, had a couple beers. I I think I I ate a pretty light dinner, but... I came home like quite hungry. I ate like three rice cakes because I didn't have a lot of great snacks. Um, three three all dressed rice cakes, and you know I still wasn't feeling very uh, full. Like, what do you do in that situation? You've been drinking, and it's like it's like eleven or twelve o'clock, and you 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 need to like eat, put something in your belly to feel a little less drunk or a little less hungover today what do you do about that i'm not i'm not forcing myself not to eat i'm just not eat. i don't feel hungry like when you fast 
your body gets used to burning its fat instead of its glucose. So if you don't give your body glucose, then it's just going to go to the fat and you don't get that sugar spike. You don't get I don't, that. I don't get science, man. Okay. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, you don't get science, Jacob. And that's why you're not waking up with your eyes swollen over and you look like you're 47 years old all of a sudden. And you are starting to think about writing a will and saying goodbye to people. Okay. That you so care about. it's not working. You're not enjoying it. When are you going to start eating again, man? It's, I don't think it's that I'm not enjoying it. I'm not. I'm not um, upset during the day that I'm not eating. It's. I think it's just like life right now. I think life is just makes you tired right now, and the adjustment to the world starting to open up again, but it doesn't feel normal. Sports doesn't feel normal. Do you have an eating disorder? Um, At what point does this become an eating disorder? Oh, like years ago. Years okay. ago. We're way, way past that. We turned down the highway of eating disorder years ago. Is this a bad thing to talk about? Is that a bad thing to say? Should we be really careful about how we talk about eating disorders? I think we are being careful. You're not. You're shaming me on live. I'm just asking you if you have this. it. That's not shaming you. That's projection on your part saying that I'm shaming you because you feel shame yourself about your eating disorder. Speaking of people feeling some shame, Jacob, the homeless community is feeling like they are being shamed based on a t-shirt of the homeless Blue Jays. There's a lot of people offended right now on Twitter. Uh, so so t Tony Bast tweeted a picture of t-shirts, I guess, that the players had made in the picture. He's wearing a t-shirt and it says homeless Jays on it and it has a picture of a bird He's got no shoe on, maybe he has a hole in his socks, clothes are a bit beat up, and then he's got a classic like stick and sack, burlap sack, etc. It's a baseball bat in their, in their case, and uh, people are up in arms about it. CTV even decided to run a news story on it, interviewing like some old lady saying how serious homelessness is in Toronto and that they are perpetuating stereotypes and that they have a home in buffalo and look homelessness is obviously a super serious issue and many people have been ravaged by covid um in the homeless community in toronto and all these encampments going on it's obviously a huge hot issue right now but come on who is getting hurt by this it's a cheeky t-shirt and the jays have been kicked out of their home you know, they're sent to another country. They can't even play in their own country. They're trying to make a bad thing good for themselves. They're trying to rally around a new identity. You know, uh, instead of whining about it anymore, they're trying to uh, trying to identify by it. They aren't they aren't making fun of homeless people. That's that's the big thing. They're obviously it's not a there's no cruel intentions behind it. I, I find the picture extremely offensive on behalf of Blue Jays because Blue Jays don't have human legs like they have in that picture. Blue Jays don't wear baseball uniforms. Uh, they don't stand upright. They don't have arms. That's the thing that I find disgusting about that t-shirt is their portrayal of the actual bird, the Blue Jay. Well, it's like it's like that same Blue Jay from, what is it, the like 96 identity of the blue jays i think or like also kind of looks like ace a little bit look it's not a great t-shirt and the club has said that they did not make the t-shirt it was a player driven thing and that the club is aware of the twitter outrage right under the bus <laughs> look i 
I understand, you know, people getting sensitive or people getting upset. I don't even know if that's a sensitivity, people getting upset over whatever. Like we all have things that trigger us and we all have things that set us off that other people don't understand. People are like, I don't understand why you're so upset about that, but it happens. It's just the, the, I think sometimes the platform that people use to try to spread that message as opposed to just saying, you know, this is something that really bothers me and I have to manage it. Could you explain to me what would be bothersome about it? Well, the portrayal of the the image of saying that homeless people are disheveled, homeless people have tattered clothes, homeless people walk around with sticks and uh, all of their personal belongings wrapped in a blanket, that, that I could imagine that that would be bothersome. So we can't, like, the iconography of the homeless person from, like, the 20s who go on trains and stuff, that's, like, that's off limits now. We don't, we don't touch that? I didn't know that until today, but I guess not. I guess that's off limits now. Add would it, it have list. been better... If it was like a homeless blue jay, he had on like, I don't know, a suit. There, there was a tent behind him. There was a series of tents in an encampment. Um, he had like a plug-in hot plate or something. Like what, what do we, do we want it to be accurate representation of what homelessness is? Or well, is Another thing that might, is probably offensive about it is that they're not actually homeless because they're staying in, you know, high-end hotel rooms in Buffalo. They have houses in Buffalo, they're still living quite well. And so to portray them uh, as being homeless and the devastation that homelessness actually is, is not accurate towards the Blue Jays. Now, I don't think that the Blue Jays are trying to say, feel bad for us, we have no home. I think they've just sort of walked into a conversation they weren't ready for. And now they're right. dealing. If it said home bar ballpark, less goodlessness on it, in different country listness home park ballpark less goodlessness in it and then suits and then hands full of major league cash <laughs> that's what the pitcher should have been and the bird should have just been like shrugging like life's still good yeah. baby i'm a blue jay with human legs and arms well it goes both sides sensitivity exists on the side of stupid baseball players and stupid managers uh last night your boy, Fernando Tatis Jr., superstar, yeah, baby. superstar shortstop of the San Diego Padres, incensed Rangers manager Chris Woodward by swinging on a 3-0 pitch and hitting a grand salami when his team was up by seven in the eighth inning. Now, Tatis said that he didn't look into the dugout for a sign. He was excited, excited. And just uh, was was looking for a good pitch, and he sort of apologized afterwards. Said that he didn't know he knows about a lot of unwritten rules in baseball, but didn't know about this particular unwritten rule. Said next time he'd probably take the pitch, and even the Padres manager said he should have taken a strike. This is disgusting it's so disgusting what is fernando tatis supposed to say to the texas manager hey man i'm sorry i'm so fucking good at baseball and i grew up playing baseball i have such a passion for it and so when i see a ball being thrown by a pitcher that i know i can crush it's like i've trained my body to instinctually respond in a way 
to crush that baseball. And I'm so sorry that you guys just wanted to get home and cry in your beds because we destroyed you. In the history of time, how many times have baseball games come back from seven run deficits? In one inning, let alone two. <laughs> okay, maybe maybe it was just they just had the top of the they just had the top of the ninth to try and make a comeback. But uh, yeah, the grossest part about it for me is his own manager sort of being like, "Oh, yeah, he didn't get have that from us." The players back, you cowards! Say that you gave him a green light, even if you didn't. Let every other team out there know that you are out for blood and that Fernando is coming for you no matter what the score is, no matter what the count. Maybe maybe don't throw three straight balls to Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, with the bases loaded. I was trying to walk in the run. It's so Would it have been okay dumb. for him to hit a salami 3-2 uh, if, he, if he let two strikes happen and then? like, should, should he have struck out looking? Is that what they were asking for? I hate that so much. The game of baseball allows him to hit a home run on any pitch that is thrown to him if he is capable of doing it. The nuance of this unspoken rule that they are talking about is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What, what, what are you doing swinging at 3-0? We're, we're all just trying to go home and have some dinner. I want to talk to my wife. Major League Baseball needs to consult with their their analysts, whatever their team is that like uh, analyzes fans and fan ages, the people who are uh, fighting to create younger fans and the future of the game, and they they need to hold some sort of conference with all of the teams, explain to managers and players that the game is changing and it needs to change in order for kids to like it commercials that say uh let the kids play aren't enough you can't say let the kids play and then hold a press conference about a kid trying to win a game until the end of the game and then saying that's a bad thing he is like the one of the top two most exciting players in the major leagues. He's putting on a show. He has 11 home runs. In in there's a part of what he's doing that is maybe saving baseball. He's making it really exciting again. He's putting some flair into into these games. The only thing that's difficult about it is the West Coast start time. If more kids could see what he's actually doing, they'd have so much more fans. And the fact that his manager has now maybe put Tatis in the position where Tonight, if they're playing the Rangers, he gets plunked. Ridiculous. He gets hit for being too good, too capable, too yep. exciting. Yep. It, Trevor Bauer got involved. He, I, I saw a great tweet of his, his uh, this morning. Trevor Bauer says, hey, at Tatis Jr., listen up. Number one, keep swinging 3-0 if you want to, no matter what the game situation is. Number two, Keep hitting homers no matter what the situation is. Number three, keep bringing energy and flash to baseball and making it fun. Number four, the only thing you did wrong was apologize. Stop that. What a great tweet. I love Trevor Bauer, man. Trevor Bauer is so good for baseball. The way that he his YouTube channel, he's constantly filming these in-depth, behind-the-scenes looks at what it's like to be a big league baseball player, his perspective on a lot of things, calling out the commissioner. Yep. I think he's so good for baseball. And Tatis is so good for baseball. How can you take someone's gift away from them like that? It's completely absurd. It doesn't make any sense.
It was only seven runs. Like you said, like how many times in the history of the game has a team come back in a single inning from seven runs? I can understand if it's if it's 12 runs, maybe. I don't understand it in any context. Yeah, if I you don't, don't want someone to hit <laughs> don't a bomb, either. don't try to get them out. Try to get them out because if you're that competitive and that good at baseball, you should want to hit the ball every single time that you have an opportunity to do it. And that's what he did. Deal with it. Be better. Be better, Texas. Yep. That's it. Be better. Yeah. You don't want to be embarrassed. Get better. Get better players. Get better pitchers. Do something else. Don't go 3-0 on a superstar with the bases juice. That's probably why you're down by seven runs in the first Boom. place. We have spoken. All right. Let's move on. Let's move on to the Blue Jays game. It is time for the Game Diary. I'm about four gin and tonics deep from watching the Raptors playoff game. Look, I don't need to justify my drinking to you. The game starts and it feels refreshing to be in a real major league park again. Camden Yards, away from the horrors of Buffalo. Ryu on the mound and it's the Orioles. I know they're playing well, but even 2020 isn't strange enough to see that continue. Randall Grishik moved into this two spot. Love it. No bow again tonight and looks like it's time to panic. Powder blue uniforms aren't aging well with time, and I'm certain that they're bad now. They're too blue, and they're not really even blue enough. They look like little boys' pajamas. I'm torn because Jacob has Ryu on his fantasy team, and I want him to get shelled, but I also want the Blue Jays to win. I can't tell if Ryu is pitching well or if the Orioles are finally admitting how bad they are. His stuff seems unremarkable, but he's in the zone and he's mixing well. And then newly revamped Randall Grishik comes up in the third inning, and bang! A bullet to center field, three-run bomb, eight points for me in my fantasy, and then I get two more when Kevin Biggio knocks in an RBI single to score Gurriel and the Blue Jays are up 4 nothing after three. I know we've been in love with blowing leads lately, but for some reason it feels like this will stick. The gin, it always makes me feel hopeful. The Orioles get a run on the board in the fourth with a Pedro Severino RBI single, which is the word version of chugging NyQuil. Wait. News just in, Bo Bichette's knee injury is now a strain and not a sprain. What's the difference? I tried Googling it, but the gin won't let me understand. I think it's supposed to be better. Oh, say it ain't Bo. I need him. I miss him. No, gin, no. You don't make me go there. You bottle it down. Fuck you, gin. Back to the game. Old man Travis Shaw makes me hold my breath and forget about his pear-shaped dad body with a beautiful diving stop and throw from his knees. Unfortunately, the throw forced Rowdy Telez to knock into the runner and he stumbles around looking like a gorilla who just got shot with a tranquilizer looking for a good place to fall. After the review, the runner is out, but so is Rowdy with a possible concussion. So in comes Brandon Drury, who is the player version of chugging NyQuil. If I had a dollar for every time Vladdy grounded out to the left side, I'd have more money than he's going to make in the big leagues in his whole career if he keeps that up. I'm sorry, I'm just mad because I made a $5 bet with a friend that he would hit a home run and now he's 0 for 4. I'm happy to hear that he's showing up early to games to do some extra cardio. I like that he gets in shape on company time and not on his own dime and basically needs a security guard to monitor his diet. It gives me a warmth. The Blue Jays are in control and looking good, and that's a weird thing to say without irony. Well, look who's back. It's Anthony Bass. But wait, he's coming in in the eighth inning? Did he lose the closer role? 
Is Romano the guy? Is that why he didn't pitch on the weekend because he was too upset? Conspiracy. Maybe he just needed to get the work in. Either way, we cruise to a victory after a two-run home run from Kevin Biggio in the ninth and Waggus Pack shuts him down. Ryu gets the win. Fuck you, Jacob. A dominant 7-2 victory. Pretty satisfying game. Really satisfying game. I have a couple of uh, questions for you, Jacob. I want you to be the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, and I want to ask you. Now, there was a lot of talk before this game on benching Teoscar because of the play that he made in Buffalo that cost them the game. And I want you to be in the manager's spot and respond to, would you have benched Teoscar last night to send a message to the team or not? What message is that going to send to them? If you make mistakes, you don't get to play? I'm not sending that message. I'm going to be a bit more clever about it. Maybe I'm going to make him change his number. Maybe he's going to wear zero from now on for a couple of games because I think of him as a zero after his mistake. I don't want to hurt my team. He's the best hitter that we've got. If I send a message that we sit our best players because you don't make a catch in the outfield and you kind of boot it around out there, you're not going to get to play? No. Doesn't make any sense to me. It it just doesn't. I totally agree. I wouldn't bench him. I think it makes the entire team suffer to take away his bat. I do think that something better have happened behind the scenes that made it extremely clear that you put more effort into a play like that to understand the situation and that you're making this team look bad. Even if he was putting his full effort in, it certainly didn't look that way. So be better. But I don't think that you that you bench him. I think that just makes the entire team suffer. And then what you you lose a game and he's supposed to feel bad and then you fall further out of the wild card hunt and, and then what? Serve him up to the media, maybe. Make make him have to do a media availability, say, listen, you got a half an hour with the media. They're gonna ask you some questions. <laughs> uh you gotta deal with it. And uh, and you got to be up front, and I'm going to tell them to go hard on your ass. I, I should probably know the answer to this. Does Teoscar use an interpreter, or does he speak English to the media? I think he speaks English. Second question for you is, with Bo Bichette being out, who would you have started in shortstop last night at shortstop? I sent out a tweet saying that maybe we should give Teoscar Hernandez a chance at shortstop. Maybe that would actually be the way to embarrass him and make him punished and have a night of him trying to make plays at short. No. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to give Espinal a chance. I don't understand why we think that uh, we need to have Joe Panic in there for his second start at shortstop in his life. This dude's an old veteran hand. We're, we're deciding that now's the time to see if he can stick it short. Obviously, when he was in high school, I don't know, college, uh, they gave that a shot and decided, no, I think you're better suited for second base. But now at, at age, I don't know, I'm going to guess he's like 33. Total guess. I have no idea how old he is, but he's not young. <laughs> Surely now can't be the time where we see if he's a good shortstop or not. That's insane. Yeah, it feels like the perfect scenario to see what Espinal can do. To see, uh, you know, you got a young player. He's looks like he's great defensively. I don't imagine Panic's going to give you a ton more offensively if, in fact, Espinal struggles at the plate. Let's see what he can do. There's so much more 
benefit in a young player getting a chance like that and and getting their feet wet in the big leagues and seeing if Joe Panic can get it together and go on a little run. Like who cares? We're never going to see Joe Panic. His bat's not year. worth it. Even even a, a good version of his bat is not worth it, and it doesn't even come close to filling in for what Bobuchet does. What we need. Is someone a defensive? I've called him a defensive wizard before. Santiago Espinal. We've how many seasons did we watch Ryan Goins play shortstop and live with that because he was a good athlete and a good defensive player in there? And how good did we do in 2015 with him playing a lot of well, not in 2015 playing a lot of shortstop, but filling in in 16? Like how many times did, did Troy Tulowitzki go on the bench and we needed we needed uh, Goins in there and making some great plays with the leather and keeping us in some games. Yeah, look, the shortstop's an incredibly important defensive position. You're you're put in a situation where you need to fill that hole. Why not at least make it about having the tightest defense you could possibly have, and then any offense that they give you is a bonus yeah. at this point? Because no one's filling Bobachet's offensive hole that he's left exactly. this team. But why not at least plug the hole defensively to the best of your ability? Let this young player get comfortable in the big leagues, see what he can do. It's the Orioles. Who cares? Let him get a little start. As Jeff Blair says, bingo. What did you make of Bass coming in in the eighth inning last night? Did you think that that was a shift in uh, closer roles, or do you think that just based on the situation, they wanted him to get some low-pressure work in because he had had some back tightness apparently over the weekend, which prevented him from throwing? You know that I did. We had a we had a cut for time conversation about the bullpen yesterday. It's lost in the ether. No one will ever know what we're talking about. But I, my theory is is that Bass is the eighth man. Uh, just depending depending on what the the leverage is, I think that Romano's the highest leverage we got right now, and that uh, you know Bass came in in the eighth to face the like seven eight nine hitters, you know. If maybe you're right, maybe he's just trying to get some some work in in the lowest leverage possible. Um, but if I'm if I'm Charlie, I'm bringing in Bass for an inning before Waggisback. In that in that case, I guess no Waggisback came. Waggisback pitched right. the ninth. So who came in? Uh, Dolis. Dolis came in when it was still three three run game. Was it? I don't know. I can't remember. In any case, yeah. uh, if 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 we're not why if it's not. If it's just him getting work in, why not bring him bring him in earlier so that that's more obvious instead of bringing him in the eighth and making all of this kind of confusion for us? If in fact he has, let's say, lost the closer role to Romano, even if I believe that Romano is the better option for the ninth inning, I think it's really tough timing to make that switch after he blows one save after having pitched why? well. He blows one save and then apparently he has back tightness. So who knows if the back tightness had anything to do with why he couldn't find the zone in that blown save. But then you take him out of the closer spot and you put him in the eighth role. That's a tough message and that's a tough situation to for him to find himself in. That that would feel like shit, I would imagine, from his perspective. I like the message. What you fuck up once you're done? Well then why didn't you bench Teoscar? Well, it's a it's a different uh, it's a different thing with the with the pitchers. It's not that you're done, you just get moved. I'm just moving you to a different leverage because, like I've said before, it's not either of their jobs. It's Ken Giles' job. You guys are fill-ins and and don't get used to being in this position because it's not going to be yours as soon as I can get my man back out there in the ninth. So if you fuck it up once, I don't want to wait to see if you're going to do it again. It's a 60-game season. 
I want to see if another guy's going to win it. If he doesn't, maybe I'll give you another shot. Maybe I'll go to Dolis. Maybe I'll go to AJ Cole. I don't know, but it's I don't care about your feelings and what, whether or not you deserve to be the ninth man. And yeah, you lose us a lose us a game. I'm going to try someone else. That's just the way it's going to be in my in my uh, club. Not it's not it's not a uh, it's not vindictive. It's not personal. It's just uh, it's just baseball. But what if what if they're aware within the club that he struggled because he was dealing with a like a lower back. I don't want to go. I don't want to find out whether or not the back tightness is a thing again uh, by losing a game possibly in the ninth inning. Romano's been amazing. I hear you. So, well, last outing he struggled, which would put him at equal struggle as Bass. But the eye test for me would say that Romano is yeah the guy. He's a psycho. What do you need to see? from Nate Pearson tonight. Strikes. I want to see him throw pitches that go inside of that box that's on the TV screen for me. I want want more of those in the box than out of the box. So what if he throws strikes and he gets banged around? That's fine with me. And you're, you're happy? Yeah. As long as he doesn't walk anybody, he could get seven runs in the first inning and you're like, hey, he threw strikes. Yeah, I think so. I want to see that his... His delivery, his mechanics are sound enough that he can throw the ball where he wants it to. If 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 uh, he needs to take another outing to learn how to refine that further, I think that the most important thing is just throwing the ball where you want, and good things will probably happen if you're able to choose the outcome of where the ball goes. So that that to me is the biggest thing. The, all, all of the starts, even even well, he, he he even battled his command a bit in his first outing. The second one in particular, the yeah. third one even worse. I sent you a text after the first uh, outing and saying that I was very surprised by him battling his command so much. I don't remember him having a lot of walks in the minor. You sent me, it's his second start. He's really good. Relax. I didn't send you a text or, or bring that up again on the third one where he's throwing the ball all over the place. But that to me is the thing I'm 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 most concerned about with him right now. So let's let's see some strikes. For me, it's it's that, but it's also confidence in himself and in his pitches. I, I want to see him throwing all of his pitches early. I want to see him establishing those pitches early, and I don't want to see him getting affected by anything that may happen. Like if he throws his fastball and he gets knocked around, I don't want to see him run away from his fastball. If he's throwing his slider and it gets hit, I don't want to see him running away from his slider. I want to see a better game being called by whoever calls the game. If it's Jansen, if it's Montoyo, if it's Pete Walker, if it's Reese, Reese McGuire himself, I want to see. Yeah, even Reese, even Reese. Let's see Reese call the game tonight. I'm calling for it again. I want to see if it if it's happened. You want to see him call the the game? Well, I want to see him catch in the game said that before I'm, I'm ready to see him i yeah i don't really care who catches nate i just want to see him know his stuff is good and keep throwing it regardless of what happens the fastball command i think is probably the biggest the biggest thing to get a hold of all of the command man he's throwing change ups above the zone yeah but i think it all stems from the fastball command i think if you can't establish the fastball command then everything else is sort of irrelevant well like I said, throw the strikes. Your man Kevin Biggio had a, has is, is looking like a different player the last seven games. Dude has a 3.21 average, 
441 OBP. His OPS is over a thousand, three home runs, six RBIs, four walks, two stolen bases. Yeah, he has been he saved me on a couple nights in my fantasy. He is starting to play really well for me. Grishik, the pickup of Grishik is gonna be one of the reasons why I win the <laughs> season, I think. Um, no, I mean, laugh it up. I, mean, I killed you in points last killed night. I know points. you had a, a big, yeah. Six, six point difference. Uh, yeah, that's a ton. That's a ton. I've made some really great pickups lately, and I think my team's about to start to roll. Obviously, I'm the head of the West. I'm 3 uh, 0. Are you undefeated? Oh, sorry. No, you lost last week. Um, and now I'm in your division and I'm about to ravage your division for the next three, three, four weeks. I'm literally going to save a clip of this. I'm going to play it probably over and over at, uh, every Monday from, from here on out. I'm not worried about anybody. My, uh, my team's good to go. I play whoever I'm facing and I win whoever I'm facing. I had Tatis have a massive 16 point night last night. How do you, how do you respond to the fact that? If you were in our division, if you were playing the same teams that I played based on the amount of points that you scored and that were scored against me, you would be 0-3 right now if you were in my league. Look, I only face the teams that are in front of me. I tell my boys to just beat the team that's in front of you and don't worry about anything else. <laughs> they, don't run the, they don't run the score up. They just do what they need to to get by. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. You get okay. it. Okay. Well, uh, let's, let's, let, let's see it keep going then. Oh, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm thinking sixty points a night to give me. Uh, what would that be? Four hundred and twenty point week. I'm gonna call it right now. Four hundred and twenty point week for the Idaho anti vaxxers and I'm gonna call it right now for you. You're gonna have three sixty. Okay. And I'll probably still win by two hundred. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's probably true. What did the guy you were playing last night? He had like eight points. Yeah. Well, he still should have beaten you, and would have beaten you. But he didn't, and I am the king of the West, everybody, and the Blue Jays will try to continue to be the king, the king of Baltimore with Nate Pearson on the mound. We'll break it all down for you tomorrow. Have a good Tuesday night, everybody.